You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today we'll be discussing intraoral repair, a cost-effective option and a practical restorative solution. Our guest is Dr. Rolando Nunez, a dentist who is currently the manager of clinical affairs for Bisco and holds a master's in science degree in biomaterials from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Dr. Nunez, welcome back to Dental Talk. Thank you so much for the invitation, Dr. Klein. So you had some really, really good podcasts that we've done before on bonding to zirconia. Um, you, you talked about universal adhesives, and you talked all about calcium-releasing materials. That was an excellent one as well. This one is about repairing substrates in the mouth, which could be super convenient for the dentist and also more cost-effective. So if you would, to start, define what you mean by intraoral repair and then tell us when should a doctor consider doing that type of procedure? All right. So as a dentist that had an office for many years, I practiced dentistry for close to two decades. You know, that patient that comes into your office with a chipped restoration, um, the ones that I saw most were porcelain infused to metal. But the restoration overall, when it came down to evaluating margins, x-ray, symptoms, everything was fine, but you had a, a piece of the porcelain that delaminated. Um, sometimes you had exposure of the metal, sometimes you didn't. Most of the times that, you know, the patient that came usually had metal exposure, and this is where you can actually perform a repair of that restoration without having to repeat it, which is definitely more cost effective. So um, this is something that every dentist should know how to do properly um, and efficiently so they can help the patient not only from, a, from an oral health perspective, but also financially, you don't have to force the patient to have a new restoration made, but basically repairing it and extending the, the clinical life of that restoration. Yeah, so could you give us some examples of the materials that break, what's underneath there, um, and so forth? Well, you know, um, porcelain infused to metal is a, is a very old technique uh, to fabricate crowns. You take the metal substrate, and then you treat it, generate oxide, and then on top of that, you can stack your felspathic porcelain. If there is a chipping or metal exposure, you need to determine why the the restoration uh, broke. And once you address that, and then the first thing you have to evaluate is the, the extension of the repair that you're going to have to make. So usually you will have two surfaces. You will have porcelain for sure, which is the outer part or the most external part, which is in contact with you know, the oral environment. And then you have the metal, which is your base. Um, and that is also in contact with the tooth and a little bit to the oral environment. And you're going to have to make sure you know how to treat each one of these surfaces. There are other cases where you have, you know, the newer materials such as zirconia or lithium disilicate that can also chip or delaminate, in, but you can also repair them. But you need to understand how to bond and treat each one of these surfaces in order to achieve a good repair. 
That's a good explanation. So could you share with our listeners maybe the three most common types of intraoral repairs needed and explain the materials we need to make that repair successful? Let's say you have a porcelain fused metal or maybe a zirconia base um, restoration with, you know, porcelain stacked on top of that. So you might have, uh, you know, the chipping of that porcelain. You need to generate always some sort of mechanical retention and you need to generate always some sort of chemical interaction in order to achieve proper bond. So on porcelain, when we do it extra orally, when we're going to bond porcelain, we usually use hydrofluoric acid. Now, can you use hydrofluoric acid intraorally? Well, it's tricky. It's complicated. You need to isolate. You need to be really careful. But you can also generate um, mechanical retention by using a burr, you know, generating a little bit of roughness on the surface, and there you have it. But then after that, you need to use silane, a silane coupling agent. You need to make sure you're using pure silane. So by using pure silane, regardless of the brand, it could be from anybody, but it has to be pure silane, not, not some concoction that contains silane. No, you need to use pure silane to achieve a good chemical bond to the porcelain. So that's one of the cases, all right? Another case is when you have metal exposed. So you have porcelain infused to metal, and then you have the metal exposure. Now you're talking about bonding to metal, which is different than bonding to porcelain because hydrofluoric acid edge will not work on metal, but you intraorally, you're going to have to roughen it up or you can sandblast it also. But you got to be careful because you have these two surfaces. You don't want to sandblast um, your porcelain because that blast can induce to, you know, micro cracks that can definitely propagate eventually and break even more. What you want to do is roughen it up with a, with a burr also. And then you are going to apply a primer. But in this case, Silane will not work on your metal. You need to use a different type of primer that will bond to metal. And right now, one of the most popular ones are MDP-containing primers. Whether it's an MDP-containing adhesive, and a lot of these universal adhesives have MDP as a functional monomer, or you can use a dedicated primer that contains MDP usually used for zirconia or for metal. So now you have two different surfaces within one restoration that need to be treated differently from a primer perspective. And then, of course, then you have your zirconia type of restorations that they will also chip. And these have to be treated the same way in the sense that you need to generate the mechanical retention. Zirconia, you can generate that by sandblasting the surface that's okay, but then you need to apply an MDP-containing primer, a primer that is um, that has that MDP that will bond to zirconia. And then you go on placing your composite in order to repair in all three instances. So what you're saying is if the porcelain chips off of a, let's say, a porcelain-fused-to-metal restoration, and the part that's exposed, the fracture joint that's exposed is all porcelain, you can go straight with silane and put your composite right on top of that, correct? Correct. Right. What do you have to do to the porcelain before you put the silane on? 
roughing it up, I will highly recommend the use a you know the use of a burr, a fine or ultra fine diamond burr. Really careful with refrigeration, and then dry, and then use silane. And then on top of that, some people like to use bonding agent in order for the composite to slide better on top of the porcelain. From a bonding perspective, it's not necessarily, but from a handling perspective, yes, I can see how a bonding agent will definitely help you manipulate the composite better on top of that porcelain. But going back, the first thing that I would do is determine why that porcelain chipped away. Why did it delaminate? Why did it break? If it's in a clue, if it's something related to occlusion, and this has nothing to do with dental materials, but this is just sound dentistry. If it's related to occlusion, it doesn't matter what primer you use. It doesn't matter what kind of treatment you do. It doesn't matter how many magical bottles of concoctions you have in your office. It's going to break again if you don't balance that occlusion. You need to determine why. Now, let's say it was because of trauma. Um, you know, patient got, you know, he got hit or whatever. Hockey puck, I don't know. And then it's a different story. But if it's because of occlusion, and then you have a you have a problem that you have to address before you do your bonding. Right. Now, if you have two surfaces that are exposed on the porcelain fused to metal, so you have you've got the fracture area where you have the porcelain exposed, and then you also have the metal. You obviously treat the metal differently than you do the porcelain. So the silane will only go on the porcelain, right? And then the MDP primer will only go on the metal after you roughen it up with a burr. Is that right? Correct. But here is here's where it gets tricky. Mm -hmm. MDP, it's low in pH. It's acidic. Okay. Silane is deactivated in acidic conditions. All right. So silane will not be effective, will not react with the porcelain or the lithium disilicate surface if the environment is acidic. So if you're going to be repairing a surface where or surfaces where you're going to combine these two primers based on the nature of the surface, you always have to apply the silane first. You apply the silane first. You let it react, and then you apply your MDP. Silane, in, let's say in a case that you have metal exposed, like you just explained, metal exposed and then porcelain, you, silane will not react with a metal, but it will react with a porcelain. And then you can apply your MDP. But your porcelain has already been treated with silane, so there is no reaction there. But if you place MDP first, what you're doing is unless you are 100% sure, which is almost impossible, that you limit the application of your MDP containing primer to the metal without having it, you know, touching the porcelain surface. It's almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And then that MDP that touched the porcelain surface when you place your silane is going to be deactivated. So it's always, it's not always, it's indicated that you use your silane first and then you apply your MDP. And that way, your reactions will happen on each surface. And right. then you apply and then you apply your composite. Right, that's what I was gonna say. Once the two surfaces in that order are treated properly the way you've explained, then you can just flow your composite over both surfaces and finish the restoration. Um absolutely. Yeah, now let's talk about zirconia. You mentioned obviously that you certainly can sandblast. 
that's okay. So t- walk us through exposed zirconia as well. Well, same thing. You can sandblast it. Now, um, I'm very particular about what I use to sa- uh, for sandblasting zirconia. I, I, I believe the best thing to use is um, aluminum oxide, 50 micron, at a, you know, pressure of uh, 40 PSI or 2.8 bars, depending on which measurement, you know, unit you like to use or you have set up in your compressor. Do it for about, you know, 10 to 20 seconds. Not too close, but also not too far, you know. And um, about, I don't know, I want to say two to three centimeters away. In that way, you're going to generate that rough surface. Immediately after that, you you apply your MDP-containing primer. Now, here's the kicker. If the surface that you sandblasted becomes contaminated with saliva, you're not going to be able to bond to it. Because saliva has, you know, these phosphate lipids that will just react on the zirconia surface and it will deplete bonding sites. So now, even if you have the best surface primer for zirconia, MDP containing primer, you're not going to be able to bond because your saliva got in the way. Even if you clean it with ethanol, acid, no, now it's all messy. You got to make sure that after you sandblast, you rinse it dry and make sure that you apply your MDP containing primer right away. If it gets contaminated and then your bonding is going to fail. You need any type of zirconia cleaning agents? Those products, Dr. Klein, are not intended to be used intraorally. They're not intended. I mean, that will be uh, something that I can definitely not recommend. I'm sure some people are using it and that's okay. You know, that's 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 a clinical assessment. If you can control that this stuff is not going to touch any soft tissue and you have, you know, a wonderful way to um, isolate and there are a lot of people out there that are really good with a rubber dam, great. Go right ahead. Be my guest. But so what's I, the downside of, of if they did use it intraorally and it touched the soft tissue, what happened? It's not tissue friendly. It's just one of those things that you don't want it to. You know, Bisco is a great company. You're the manager of clinical affairs. Please share with us some of the materials that Bisco makes for these first aid kit types of uh, procedures. Well, we do have an intraoral repair kit that will have your hydrofluoric acid and then, you know, your silane and so on and all the primers and whatnot. We also sell those separately. You know, we have Z-Prime Plus, which is our MDP containing primer that is dedicated to bond to metal and to zirconia. We also have silane in a single bottle and a two-bottle system. So those are the two most important primers that we sell, uh, that we have and offer for priming surfaces. Um, the intraoral repair kit has an interesting component, which is a dual-cured opaquer for metal. Why is this interesting? Because when you have metal exposed, you have to mask it. All right. You need to make sure that you cover that metal surface in a way that when you place your composite, your composite is going to look like a tooth. It's going to have that tooth shape. If the the, the color of the metal shows through the composite, and then it's gonna it's not going to be aesthetically pleasant. In some cases, that might not be important, but in other cases, that might be something that you need to consider. So we have a dual cured opaque. Why dual cured? Because when you have something opaque and if you put it too thick, 
like maybe a flowable that you're going to use in order to mask that metal. If it's too thick, or even if it's not too thick, if it's just too opaque, which is what you really want, when you hit it with a light, the surface that is closer to the light will cure, but the surface that is in contact with the metal, it may not receive proper energy from that curing light because of the opacity of the material. So by having a dual cure opaquer, it doesn't really matter if you hit it with a light or not. I mean, you can hit it with a light so it stays in place, but it will finish the polymerization process via chemical cure. So you're going to have good polymerization of the material of the opaquer, and that will definitely generate a better bond to the metal surface or the zirconia surface or the porcelain surface, but specifically the metal surface, you're going to generate a better bond and you're going to be able to mask it, you know, more efficiently. So all those components are in this intraoral kit. Right. And that bond to the metal of the opaquer, that's strictly mechanical? No, actually your bond, because the opaquer is a resin-based and your MDP containing primer, you know, MDP is a, it's a monomer. So, you know, it will cure, it will covalently bond, chemically bond. So if you use Z-prime plus on top of the metal, Z-prime will bond to the metal, but also Z-prime will bond to your composite. Gotcha. And these kits are available through Bisco. So if you're interested, and I'm talking to the listeners now, check out Bisco.com and you can, I guess they could do a search for first aid kit. The three main ingredients are the MDP primer, which is Z-prime plus. Then you have the pure silane in there that comes in, you said, two bottles. You can have a two-bottle system or you can have a single-bottle system. You can have either or, and, you know, that's more of a preference kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it is important to have your siling there. And sometimes, you know, a lot of people, Dr. Klein, will have these components scattered in their office, you know, because they do some porcelain bonding or, you know, lithium disilicate bonding and all of that, and that's okay. However... I think that it's interesting that everything comes in a kit and then if you have a problem, you can reach out to the kit and then you, you, you do the procedure based upon the surface. The instructions are very straightforward and it's very easy to do the procedure without any problems. Mm-hmm. Now, you didn't talk too much about lithium disilicate as a substrate. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything you want to add about that or is that similar to, to the... Well, lithium disilicate is you're going to bond to it the same way you would bond to feldspathic porcelain. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, you have to roughen it up with a burr or you can hydrofluoric acid etch it. You got to just got to be careful now. And on top of that, you apply your silane. And that way, you know, you should be able to achieve bonding. The, The cool thing about lithium disilicate is that when you do, um, hydrofluoric acid etch, Regardless of the concentration, you just do it for 20 seconds. With feldspathic porcelain, it's a different story because the concentration of your edge will have an impact on your etching time. And usually the minimum amount of time that you have to etch is one minute. And that is if you use something like this, you know, 9% or 9.5% hydrofluoric acid etch. If you're using a 4 or a 5% hydrofluoric acid edge, you're going to have to edge for four minutes. So in that case, um, lithium disilicate is way more forgiving, okay? It's way more forgiving. 
So, but the process, the thought process is the same. Rough mm-hmm. on the surface and then apply silently. Right. I'm glad I asked that question because that's good to know. I think we covered quite a bit, Dr. Nunez, and um, your input on this has been excellent. So if doctors are experiencing a procedure where they have to fix a small repair, there's definitely uh, solutions out there that are packaged, what they call, what Bisco calls their first aid kit. And as Dr. Nunez said, most doctors probably have these materials laying around the office in various places so they could round them up and, and do these repairs. But it's nice to have them organized in these first aid kits that Bisco prepares. So again, we appreciate having you on the show, Dr. Nunez. You've done four episodes with us, all great. And hopefully we have you on for more episodes in the near future. Absolutely, Dr. Klein. You just let me know when and I'll be there. Thank you so much.